0: This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson. What is happening, you guys? Welcome back to the Tuesday tune-up on the Let's Go Win Podcast, where we are here to help you be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Today, we're going to be focused on leadership, one of my favorite subjects. And the guests that I have on today, that's what she is great at. That's what she's been doing for the last Two decades and doing a great job of it. Vanessa is president of Mosaic People Development. She is a seasoned leadership consultant, executive coach, and author of Mastering Leadership What It Takes to Lead in Today's Fast Paced World. With over 20 years of experience, she empowers clients to develop inspiring leaders through practical strategies. Her expertise has benefited top organizations like Campbell Soup, the United Nations, HelloFresh, and Bank of Montreal. Vanessa how are you?
1: Hello, great to be here. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm great, you know. We got through a couple <laughs> technical issues and we're off and rolling. What led you into leadership? Why is that uh, the path that you chose? Because I know I love it. It's my favorite mm-hmm. thing. But what what was it for you that got you into it?
1: I love it too. It's my favorite thing on the whole world in the whole world. In fact, it was quite funny. I live in Toronto and I was on the subway. This is before the pandemic. And I bumped into a friend of mine and I was reading a leadership book on the subway. And she said, I can't believe that the leadership coach and and consultant is reading a book on leadership. I'm like, yes, because it's my passion. So um, how did it become my passion? Well, I've been developing leaders for over 20 years. I worked at a consulting company for many years where I I developed leaders across the globe in many different industries and just have always been passionate about it because um, I realized very early on working with leaders that leaders really set the tone. So, leaders really make or break people's experiences at work. So, that was something that I, I'd been doing very successfully for 10 years. And then I had one of those pivotal moments where I had the worst leader of my entire life. And this leader, I mean, it went from someone who's really high performing, who loved her job, loved my team, loved the business, to someone who was depressed. And unmotivated and really anxious about coming into work. And the only thing that changed was the same company, same person, same job was my leader. Mm. So when I had that experience, it really took sort of, I'd never had a bad leader before. I mean, I had mediocre leaders, but I'm t- i am almost talking like someone who's almost like a bully. So when I had that leader jam, it really changed my perspective on how critically important leadership is.
0: Let's dive into that, if you will, because i i have st- I've personally left companies because of leaders. It has happened, yeah. and it's often to your point. It's not the company. It's not the yeah. job. It literally comes down to if you don't believe in the leadership, whether it's above you, uh, even in cases with me where I we've been peers, and because the leadership philosophy was so misaligned it doesn't work. So what was it with this leader? What were they doing? And what were some of the attributes? Because that's what I want to figure out is why were they so bad? And so we don't create some of these leaders uh, and people don't have to leave and be unmotivated and all the things that you went through.
1: Yeah. I call leaders, there's sort of two categories, conscious and unconscious. So the conscious leaders are the ones that are very aware of their behavior and how it impacts the people around them. The unconscious leaders are not. They they go around their day. They have objectives. They have goals. They're moving things forward. They're action oriented. They have no idea that when they're maybe yelling at someone in a meeting, which happened to me, or taking away responsibilities that someone's been in charge of for a long time, that happened to me. uh, Or... um, You know, with this one leader, for example, I sat on a committee for a long time and had built this committee and really cared about it. This group within the organization took me off, put her on. So all of these things happened. Oh, another thing she did was, okay, picture a bowling alley, right? So the the office that we worked in had like a very long hallway and it had a nice office with a window. It wasn't big. It wasn't fancy, but it was my office with a little window. Move me right to the end of the off, that hallway, long hallway to a little corner office with no window where I was isolated from my team. And so just things like that kept happening. And she was completely unconscious of how the decisions she made and her behavior impacted the people around her.
0: Yeah. So uh, would we call this emotional intelligence, self-awareness? I mean, these are some of the trendy terms, if you will. But I mean, ultimately, either she had a real challenge with you, but I'm guessing it wasn't just you that felt this way. I'm guessing that of she, course. yeah. Tell me more about that. Did did of she course. continue yeah. to violate others?
1: Yeah. In fact, what's, what's kind of sad about that whole situation is I've been there five years and I actually love the organization, but because of this person I left, mm-hmm. she didn't last more than about six or eight months after I'd left. Because I was not the only one and people were complaining. And so she was ousted from the organization. So that's kind of the sad part is that often really good, caring people leave organizations because of the way they've been treated by their leader. So yeah, to answer your question, I do think it's a combination of self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Um, Emotional intelligence is, is quite a broad topic. But in a nutshell, I define it as how your emotions impact you and the people around you. So, yeah, it is a combination of of her EQ and her self-awareness for sure.
0: Yeah, and I just, uh, what you want to do, or at least the way I've felt in these positions, is you want to be able to talk to them and provide feedback and say, look, you're not a bad person, you're trying your best, but I'm guessing, again, I'll let you speak, was she even open to having these discussions or was this just, you're crazy for even thinking I'm not a fantastic leader?
1: So, you know what's so interesting about that question is I teach crucial conversations, hmm. feedback, how to give crucial conversations. I crucial conversationed her till the cows come home, but nothing happened because she lacked that self-awareness. It was in one ear and out the other.
0: Yeah. No, it's too bad. But yeah. let's talk about some positive stuff. Yes. One of the things that you deal with, or your kind of the topic, is what it takes to go from being being a doer to being a leader. Now Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of everyone is a leader in some part of their life, but tell me what you mean by going from being a doer to a leader. What does that look like?
1: For sure. So I completely agree with you. I there's one of my favorite books is called the leadership pipeline. And what they talk about in that book are that is the fact that there's actually different passages of leadership. So the first passage of leadership is leading self. So this is someone in an organization who doesn't necessarily have direct reports, but they need to be responsible for their own goals. They need to live the organizational values. They need to be a team player. So yeah, that is the first level of leaders, of leadership is self-leadership. What I'm talking about is moving from a doer to a leader is that next level. And so that's the first time that you have direct reports, right? Because when you're at the level one of leadership, you are a doer. You've got a lot of objectives. You're usually a subject matter expert. You're really good at your job. And it's often those people who get promoted into leadership roles. The problem is they get promoted into leadership roles without any training or coaching mm. on how to be a leader. And so that's what I do. It's that close that gap between being level one leader. So that passage one leader and passage two leader, when you when you do get direct reports, your job, quite frankly, changes.
0: It is pretty fascinating. And I don't know if this is because back in the 80s, 90s, even early 2000s, you just the the meritocracy if you were a good performer now we're going to put you a leader but we're not actually going to train you you just go figure it out and it's fascinating everything we talked about earlier people leaving not having you know morale being down even performance obviously will start to sag based on this leadership are we just still catching up that the curriculum of leadership cuz this isn't something that we were taught in school and I remember going through the majority of my career until I really started taking the reins and talking about leadership. This wasn't like, all right, welcome to being a leader. Let's show you how to kind of do it. Why are we so far behind the times on this?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the data shows only 5% of organizations actually have strategic leadership training in place because they understand that it's a different job and you need to upskill people, right? Think about it this way. If you have, I happen to have a 16 year old, right? If you have a 16 year old and they're learning to drive a car, you don't just give your 16 year old the keys and say, off you go, go drive. No, they have driver's ed lessons and they have to take online courses and they, right? So it's a whole process before they eventually can drive on their own. Well, it should be the same with leaders, but just most organizations don't understand that. They know they have a leadership gap to fill. So they plug in the most efficient and effective individual contributor who's at that passage one of leadership, but they're putting them into a different job.
0: Yeah. it's And what's crazy to validate the 5%, I walk into companies all the time and I'll ask a very specific question. What's your leadership philosophy as a company? And typically I get blank stares and it's like, this is literally going to drive whether we're going to succeed your company's going to grow faster you're not going to have people wanting to leave so it's it's one of those things where it's like why is it not a top priority and what so talk to me about what you're doing to kind of solve some of this with those 5% that are interested and hopefully we can talk to the other 95% to say hey Let's let's look at some curriculum here, guys.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you, that's a great question to ask. I find most people can't answer that question either around their leadership philosophy. Some people do have uh, values, and maybe one of their values is around leadership, demonstrating leadership. But the reality is people don't understand what core competencies are for leadership. People call leadership skills soft skills, which is, by the way, one of my mm. biggest pet peeves. Me biggest too. Pet peeves. <laughs> Yes, we align on that. Let's drink to that. Because what's soft about it? What's soft about it? I call them whenever someone says soft skills, I they say, pardon me, maybe we call them core leadership competencies or core leadership skills. Because there's nothing soft about Knowing how to grow your team, building a high-performing team, coaching people, giving feedback, managing conflict, like those are really tough skills. So what I usually do when I work with a client is I say, I've been doing this for 20 years. You don't need to figure it out. I've got a system. I've got a model. I'm going to share it with you. Let me take that pressure off because most people just don't know.
0: Well, and to your point, crucial conversations, let's just go with this one. Because again, Mm -hmm. at what point is this soft, right? The only way it it becomes soft is mm -hmm. not being a complete dick in having this conversation, right? Like if you're having a crucial conversation, the truth is if you're willing to have it it means you care about the other human being, maybe that's where it gets the soft, but having these tough conversations, these crucial conversations, I think most people avoid them because they're frightened of it. So let's just let's focus on this one for a second. If yeah. you wish everyone that is in leadership and they have that crucial conversation that needs to happen, what, what would you tell them to do it in terms of prepping and yeah. what to look out for so that these conversations aren't scary but rather they're helping productivity. They're helping communication.
1: Sure. First of all, I think it's your mindset, right? So you have to know that, understand the consequence of not having the crucial conversation. So what could the consequence be of not having it? Well, first of all, the person's behavior is never going to change. So I, I actually feel like you're being mean by not giving somebody feedback. Let's say somebody is, um, has a lot of errors in their work right and it's not it's not looking good in terms of their professionalism if you don't give them feedback on that they're going to continue right let's say someone i just have spoke to a client before this and we were talking about she really wants to promote one of her leaders but the executive team doesn't see him as someone who contributes in meetings said well you're going to have to tell him that that the executive team really only looks at him based on his behavior right their perception of him is based on his behavior so if he wants the senior team's perception, the executive team's perception to change, he has to change his behavior. If she doesn't give him that feedback, he's never going to be seen as up to par for the executive team, right? So, so number one is mindset. You have to understand you're being mean if you don't give people feedback because they're never going to grow. And likely it's a blind spot. They likely don't even know that this behavior isn't serving them.
0: Yeah, and I equate that back to my uh, my coaches in high school and college. They always said, look, if I'm not talking to you, that's when you should be concerned because that means mm. I have lost all faith and courage in you. So I absolutely love that. I want to talk about uh, one of the things I think leaders really could improve on, and that's when you say the word meetings. And y'all, we've seen the eye roll Oh, I got to go through this meeting, but they don't have to be bad. In fact, they should be a great opportunity for everybody to reconnect, to make sure we have adequate support. Do you have a leadership, whether it's a philosophy, a cadence, do you, uh, when it comes to meetings, do you teach a specific way that you like meetings to go?
1: I do. I do. And I can share a resource with people, but two things that I like to say about meetings Um, the first thing I like to say about meetings is cut them in half. So people have one hour meetings. Why why are they on one hour meetings? Right? Cut them in half. If you have a, a one hour meeting, my challenge for you is to make it 30 minutes. If it's 30 minutes, my challenge for you is to make it 15 minutes. So that's the first thing I tell leaders. The second thing I tell leaders is have an agenda. Whoa, like below my mind, people have an agenda, right? It amazes me how many leaders don't have an agenda. So write at the top what the purpose is, write your five bullet points that you need to have discussed in the meeting and then time it, you know, give each point, a t- like each section, let's say you have five things to talk about, give each five minutes. If things come up, put them on a parking lot. A parking lot, as you probably know, is a tool which allows you to um, write down all the things that you need to talk about that aren't on the current agenda. So it's really about, Again, focus and and process. I think one of the things that I don't see enough for leaders is the preparedness. Mm -hmm. I don't see leaders preparing enough. If you literally took that five minutes to plan your meeting and prepare it, prepare for it strategically, it would save you so much time down the road. Um, And then the resource I was going to share is called The Six Thinking Hats by Edward De Bono. I don't know if you're familiar with that tool. No, but Edward de Bono is um, a PhD. He's written over sixty books. He really he studied as a neurologist, the brain for many years, and he looked at the fact that we think in different modes at different times. and he has the most incredible meeting management tool that I've ever seen called the Six Thinking Hats. And so that's that's definitely a resource that I would recommend. You can go on YouTube and and just type in the Six Thinking Hats. And you'll learn how to manage and use this tool. I use it when I facilitate meetings. In fact, I ran a strategic planning meeting for a group of leaders in the construction industry recently, and I taught them the six thinking hats methodology. And what one of the leaders said to me, he said, Vanessa, in half a day, what we did using that methodology is what typically takes us two years to do. Wow! So don't reinvent the wheel. Use tools and facilitation tools, for example, that are already out there.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that as well. In fact, Michael Hyatt is kind of the cadence I've used for meetings, the AEIO. But to the whole the whole idea, I love how you said, look, cut it in half, state your intent straight out of the gate and be prepared, but the parking lot. Let's this is something that I think often drags meetings on. Some idea goes, "Oh, let's let's keep talking about." No, we can talk about this for the next meeting get prepared go talk about it so you can come back and actually have something profound to bring to the table not just purging whatever feelings you have about it in the moment um I want to ask you just your overall the one to three attributes if you were to say a perfect leader looks like this and obviously it's not a man or it's not a woman it's not tall or short None of that matters, but there are certain attributes that I think great leaders possess. What yeah. have you seen, Vanessa, that you're like, mm. yep, they nailed it?
1: Well, I don't think to me it's not personality traits because I've seen leaders with all sorts of personality traits be successful. Introvert, extrovert, task-oriented, relationship-oriented, you know, analytical, you know, I've seen all different personality types. Be successful. But for me, it's really the three pillars of leadership success. Okay, we're gonna go back to the pillar one is know yourself. That's that self-awareness piece. Pillar two is manage your team. You have to know how to coach, develop your people, give feedback, have crucial conversations. And then the third pillar is lead your business. You have to know how to lead and manage change, prioritize, delegate, execute strategically. So those are more, that's the way I look at a jam, more in terms of the pillars of leadership success rather than traits.
0: Love that. Now, I want to ask you the soft skill. What is your thoughts with vulnerability in Mm -hmm. leadership? And how, how can we use it to our advantage to really be authentic and truly be vulnerable with our team? What are you seeing in the workplace today?
1: Well, I love... Brené Brown's work. I think she revolutionized the world of leadership when she came out with her work on vulnerability. All the leaders that I work with, they have to go on YouTube and listen to Brené Brown's TED Talk on vulnerability because it's it's, it's life-changing. Because prior to Brené Brown's work, we all thought that it was inappropriate to be vulnerable with your team. And now it's encouraged. And what I help leaders understand is the difference between um, some I know some people, some leaders feel a little bit nervous when they hear that word vulnerability and what I have to say to them is, it doesn't mean you're sharing your deepest, darkest secrets with your team. What it means is it's okay to say, ah, I don't know the answer to that. Or "We just we just had a failure here. We need to look and take some time together and debrief. Don't sweep it under the rug. Or vulnerability could look like, you know... You and I have had a little bit of conflict. Can we take a minute to sit down and talk about it? So it's not sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. It's just having the courage to share your failures, to talk about them, to be brave, to have crucial conversations. That's what it means to me.
0: Yeah, I love that. I can't believe it's 20 minutes of run by already. Anything I didn't ask you that I should have known enough to that you want to share with the audience before we kind of wrap up?
1: Well, I think that um, one of the things that I'm really focused on with leaders is is really building their confidence. Because I know because a lot of people get promoted into leadership roles without a lot of development, I would say, number one, take it upon yourself. There's lots of podcasts like this one on, on leadership. There's lots of books written. Um, but the key thing that you have to remember about confidence is confidence is the willingness to try. So you just, you have to be willing to try something. And let's go back to the example of feedback. Let's say it doesn't go well. It's okay. I want you to go up there. I want you to try new things. If it doesn't go well, debrief, whether it's with someone else or in your own mind, just say to yourself, okay, wait a minute. I gave that feedback. It felt a little bit stilted. What did I learn from it? What will I do differently next time? So that, that's sort of the the piece that I'd like to leave everyone with is, is try, try new things.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Vanessa, if people want to connect with you, uh, Mosaic People Development, where's the best place to find you online?
1: So you can find me on my website, Mosaic People Development. Um, You can just Google that or go to mosaicpd.com or link in with me. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn as well.
0: Awesome. Your work is so important. I love how you're, you're bringing to the table. Look, guys, these aren't soft skills. These are these are leadership requirements. Yes. I just, it's yes. beautiful. Uh, thank you for coming on. Leadership is such a huge part of everyone's world. And yet, to your point earlier, it's not focused on perhaps the way that you and I would like to see it. So I just love the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today and for a wonderful conversation.
0: Uh, it's truly my pleasure. You guys, look, leadership, she started with self. So everyone listening is a leader at some degree, whether that's at home, your business and starting with number one, go check out mosaic people development, go check out her book. She knows what she's talking about. She even started with the crappy leader and what not to do. Absolutely brilliant. Share this out with somebody until next time. Remember your mindset matters. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please make sure to subscribe rate and review us that helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about building this community as big as we can helping as many people as we can and deliver as much value as possible. Be sure to head over to let's go win podcast.com for information on my coaching courses and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at let's go win 365. Let's go win and transcend in life. This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson.